Happy Life. And welcome to our next episode of the Fabio and Julian show here for cake slash bake. It's our second episode of this kind of second season, if you want to call it. We had a first season where we had almost two years of uninterrupted, I think almost every week, kept for the holidays of uh, shows. We took a little bit of a break, I think three months, and now we're back. I think it's a really good time to be back, and we're discussing these things. Last week, we had a bit of a catch-up on what happened in those uh, weeks and months, and today we're going to discuss what's happening in the markets right now. November, reflecting a bit, maybe looking a bit into December. We're going to look into what happened in Binance over the past week. Obviously, this was the major, major driver. Uh, we have seen some uncertainty around Bittrex closing down. We have seen some uncertainty with Kraken. So I think these are things to address. Obviously, institutional fund inflows. We have seen um, ETF, hopium slash FUD. It always kind of swings a bit. We have, uh, on the one hand, people talking about inflation, other people talking about deflation. Reminds me a bit of a year ago. We had similar conversations. So we have uh, MetaChain, a lot of projects going live there, a lot of stuff happening. I made a short video yesterday in, uh, yeah, on, the, on the channel here. So yeah, quite a lot of action. Fabio, how are you doing, sir? How is everything? Give us a bit of the bird's eye view on all this. Hey everybody! Um, yeah, so market-wise, you already gave a, a pretty, a pretty solid overview. Maybe we can already uh, uh, go slightly into the details because price-wise, we haven't really seen the market doing anything, which is kind of surprising to me, especially because we saw major move, major uh, things happening surrounding CZ and Binance. Do you want to recap that? Maybe do you want to recap that and uh, maybe yeah. I don't know, share on yeah. So. There was so much talk about Binance, and I would, I would say it started right about a year ago when the whole uh, FTX drama kind of unfolded. Because, um, for maybe to recap, uh, there was this heated interaction between SPF and CZ on Twitter, where CZ basically said, "Hey, we're gonna dump our FTT." And um, and then there was talks of a takeover that Binance is going to take over FT, uh, FTX. They looked into the books and then they withdraw. Uh, FTX blew up and uh, CZ was kind of almost a bit celebrated as the smart guy in the industry, um, which at that point seemed very, very obvious. Um, and then so Binance did a lot of right moves. They came out with proof of reserves. They, they He had this whole... Uh, for um, move where he pointed like four fingers and said uh, everything's fought and please ignore um, and but suddenly things kind of started to indicate so uh, it's always difficult on on crypto twitter to distinguish between what is legit and what is actually fought but a lot of people were pointing at bnb and making comparisons to ftt um, there was this Famous, so I think for FTT there was this famous twenty-one or fifteen dollar level for Binance. This would be somewhere between two hundred and two hundred fifteen. Um, and a lot of people, like famous people, came out and said, "We are shorting this thing." Um, uh, nobody knows about the liabilities. They became really a bit of the not the darling, but the villain maybe in in, in the news. A lot of people were pointing at wash trading, and then suddenly there was this big lawsuit. I think we saw it in January or February. Um, 
the, the first SEC. edition. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. The SEC. Um, and I think initially it was against four people within Binance and Binance itself, and they accused them of trading against their own customers, money laundering, and many more things. And it, as well, CZ was very. Uh, he handled it very, very good initially, but um, as the year moved along, um, I think allegations became a bit more critical. And there was a second lawsuit, this time by the DOJ, Department of Justice. No, the second one was CFTC. Second one was CFTC. CFTC, uh, so mm. Commodity and Exchange Commission. Yeah, DOJ um, just came out now. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, there was another one in between. Sorry, I skipped oh. one. And um, so it became increasingly difficult and DOJ is serious stuff. So, I mean, uh, maybe just uh, to, to make, to, to lay this out for, for somebody that doesn't understand, let's say I start my own coin. It goes into the billions and I'm based here in, in Europe. Um, and I have a foundation in Switzerland or something like that. The SEC cannot really do something if they want to, you know, uh, give me a note and say, Hey, um, please uh, respond. I can just basically say, no, I don't. Uh, if the time runs out, they are going to escalate this. They are going to involve the DOJ. Uh, they can And they can get me anywhere on the planet. They can involve Interpol. And this is serious stuff. If the DOJ is involved, uh, uh, it, it's serious. So And eventually, the DOJ um, was involved. And um, he, they, they are uh, asking for four, four, $4.5 billion, uh, in a settlement, which they agreed to. And they also want to have CZ in prison, um, which he posted bail for. And now they're putting him at a flight risk, which kind of, yeah. So the, he's basically going not really to jail, but uh, sorry, I forgot the word in um, custody, I think. Yeah, yeah. They, now I'm not sure. Yeah, the question really is going to be what's going to be the sentencing actually in February. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so he's probably going to be hold tightly uh, until February. And um, yeah, the, the whole thing kind of escalated. But the final decision of that is still out. I mean, I think the, at the end it got pushed up, pushed up, pushed up. So I think a district judge said uh, he should stay and then it got pushed up. And I think there's still a decision pending whether he can actually go back to the UAE or not. Um, from my latest, informa uh, latest information is that it, there's still a decision pending. I think the news right now is just uh, very sensational because uh, there's uh, just not much to report on. So they love to kind of, in my opinion, they love to kind of twist a bit of the facts. And from the latest thing that I read was this morning was that basically the a district judge, yes, denied, but then uh, now they're waiting for a higher kind of uh, position to make a decision on that. Yeah, and you know, so Binance. The crazy thing is, they are by far the biggest exchange when it comes to volume. They they have the most coins, they have the most customers, and and, and so on. And and just the amount of craziness that kind of comes to the surface. Like uh, I don't know, it started with a statement from I think their C CFO, so financing uh, uh, lead, and he said we are basically running an unregistered unregist security exchange, bro. On Slack, like this was a quote, um, and then it went into they basically um, they flagged accounts that for money laundering, deactivated those accounts, and told them to just sign up again and don't get caught next time. Like literally, you that coffee silla video. My God, I did, uh, and it, it's absolutely <laughs> insane um, that 
yeah. So they basically they they yeah they they were looking for money laundering and terrorism and all of these things. They were deactivating those accounts, but at least in this one instance, they were basically just telling them, "Okay, hey, we caught you this time. Don't worry, just sign up again." And um, yeah. like stuff that cannot happen at at a business level as as Binance is right now. And um, yeah, that's bad, of course. I, I mean, and I obviously ZZ uh, he he said I'm guilty uh, and I made mistakes. I'm stepping down, which I think is the right move. Uh, the, the surprising thing is that I, BNB has not really reacted. The market has not really reacted. Um, there isn't a lot of, I don't know. Um, strong... I mean, BNB is down 12% over the last seven days. I mean, you know, while the rest of the market has really stayed flat. So, I mean, I, like, is this a yeah. real reaction? I'm not sure. But considering that, I don't know, Binance may be supporting the BNB price, who knows, right? Um, I mean, a 12% drop. In this kind of case is yeah i mean yeah maybe not not big maybe big yeah hmm. yeah um what, what what are your thoughts on on this whole uh, on this whole thing um, um did i miss something in the summary or no i think if i can just add a few thoughts i mean i think we have heard about something around the doj for what six months now um there have been I've had these conversations also with people here in Singapore. I don't think there was much of a surprise. I th also not, I think on, I don't know, we can discuss if it's a surprise that their fine is 4.3 billion. Not sure if this is a surprise. I think it's so difficult to gauge how much money does Binance have? What is their profits? We calculated this a little bit internally, kind of trying also to calculate based on how big we are as a company and then kind of knowing the numbers that Binance has to so kind of extrapolate that a bit. I know, difficult to kind of gauge, but my gut feeling is that, for example, $4 billion is about one and a half years in profit for them. Um, I think that would be a somewhat a ballpark number, right? Now, the question is, how much did they pay out already? What are, what are dividends? Did they pay out the profits? How much does CC take of that? Like, there's a lot of question marks, obviously, right? So, I thought that was a bit of a question. And then to me, it just reminds me a lot of the, the BitMEX playbook, right? So very similar, obviously larger scale, but uh, Arthur Hayes there had, I think, a year of house arrest in Miami. And so, I don't know, maybe CC has something similar. Maybe he has a little bit more. Maybe he gets 18 months of house arrest. And sure, I mean, I mean, anything is better than prison. But yeah, also house arrest. I mean, yeah, I mean, Arthur has it actually had, was quite lucky because it actually for him, it fell pretty much during COVID. <laughs> where most people were in house arrest anyways. <laughs> so you had a bit of a lucky time there. But uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I think these are definitely interesting points. The question to me really is, how do you, what do you think this means for the crypto industry? Do you think this is a net positive? Do you think this is a net negative? And I think it's going to come down to a couple of questions. How relevant is the money laundering? How relevant is the money laundering for crypto? Right. So I think that's going to be a key one. Is this simply going to go to other avenues or is this now completely going to dry out? How much is the general TradFi market going to see of a reputation increase that Binance is kind of proper now? Because a lot of people are always saying, oh, this is like so important, but is it really? Or is it just people talking on Twitter about this? Right. Is this to, to me that I, I posted this on Twitter as well. 
uh, as long as Binance was there, everyone was like, oh, Binance is still there. This is bullish. And then Binance uh, was kind of like CC got ousted. And then it's like, oh, CC is out. That's bullish. Right. So obviously, like whatever happens in the world, crypto always says it's bullish. So, yeah. So I don't know. How, how do you see this? I, I think the, the, these are probably some key concerns now when we go a bit to the investor mindset, people's mindset. What does this mean for for, for crypto? So the, the nuanced take or the conspiracy take? Ah, both. I, I like, and especially from you. I mean, I love to have the conspiracy take. I mean, sure. Um, okay. So nuanced, um, it, it has both ups and downsides. Uh, on the one hand, of course, Binance is the biggest player. Uh, but obviously, and all of us knew that their volumes are not legit. Uh, that, that has been in talk since years and years that uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of wash trading. It's a lot of in inflated volume. And um, uh, probably in the long run, it is very healthy to, to get players that are not uh, behaving as they should uh, a slap on the wrist or a big slap on the wrist or even, you know, out of the market. Um, there you can have discussions uh, what it eventually means for Binance. So the only distinguished uh, the, the distinguishing factor that I would give for the example that you made with Arthur Hayes and BitMEX when it comes to CC and Binance is uh, Arthur and BitMEX never had their own token, uh, which mm. um, okay. Binance and CC have. And the thing that I'm worried most about is how much of their balance sheet, how much of their liabilities are connected to BNB. Is this something that can blow up FT? FTT, FTX style, because they uh, they they kind of massaged or inflated their balance sheet with their own token. Is this a problem? Do they have, look, of course, they have the proof of reserves. They actually have the customer funds. So it's not like FTT that had a big hole. But what are their liabilities? Do they have a lot of liabilities? And do they cover those liabilities with their, with their fund? So these are the questions that could really devastate the industry if if this is if this is a hole that is not covered this could be devastated devastating if everything is uh for the book it's probably just going to end up in more lawsuits a lot of money for the lawyers settlements whatever and finance is going to keep running their business uh, of course they take a big hit uh but it's like big max bit max bit max still runs uh, they still have their services but they're not the biggest player anymore you have uh, many, many others that came for them. But they're still, I mean, one has to say they didn't go to zero. I think that's also important when we say that Binance is going to lose importance doesn't mean it's going to go to zero. It's just like comparing it to BitMEX, yeah. Yeah, and for BitMEX, um, so BitMEX initially, before the lawsuit, they were the biggest, the number one, the only player. And now you have Bybit, Femex, uh, um, what is the other one, the... Uh, yeah, you have three or four other really, really big players that are in these leveraging markets and, and that do it better or better than, than, than Bit, Bit, BitMEX and, and kind of took a lot of their, their business. And the same thing could happen there to Binance as well. Um, that's probably the nuanced take. Uh, yeah. Okay, conspiracy? So, you know, if... if, if if I really want to go all, all out, then I really should have... Go all out, my... man. Yeah, that's all out. Uh, okay. Tinfoil so, hat is on. We don't see it right now. Tinfoil hat but... is on. 
Okay, so TradFi is not giving up crypto. They are going to take over crypto. They And Coinbase is their darling. USDC is their baby. They hate USDT. They hate Binance because it's overseas, because it's intransparent. It's not regulated. What they want to do is, and like if I would even to make a prediction with my tinfoil hat on, is they're going to, they are going to go after USDT. They want to make Coinbase their darling and USDC their baby and go after everything else. They want to get Binance out of the way so they can own the volume, they can control the markets, and they want to give it to their friends. They want to look at BlackRock and Fidelity and Vanguard and all of these TradFi companies, State Street, whatever, you name them, that they control the gorilla share of the market and, um, and, and get everything else out of the way. And how would you do that? But you would probably start with going after all the other stable coins because stable coins are the thing that uh, uh, kind of gives you the grip. Um, and if you get BUSD and TUSD and USDT, if you get them out of the way, um, you get most business out of the way as well because these trading pairs have the volume. And then you basically just shove it uh, over to USDC as the only legit stable coin, meaning the business kind of gets sucked there. Because how can you trade and, and be in crypto without these stable coins? That's that's the, 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 the my conspiracy take. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is so much conspiracy. I agree on the on the tether thing, and I mean, I think for the US, it's quite difficult to actually attack tether if you believe everything that's there, just because they are so much outside of the of the US. And I would even say this. I mean, I think today, if you look at the last, like influenceable factor that is a massive uncertainty in the crypto space. It's still Tether. I'm not saying Tether is unbacked. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a lot of uncertainty around it, right? That's that's real, and, and that's just the case. That's the nature of it. And I think everything else, whether it did the CIA create Bitcoin, is Satoshi bad? Is Satoshi good? Is Satoshi alive? Is he dead? All these questions, right? They are like, we have very little influence over them and we just accept them as they are. And we just think, look, if it didn't blow up already, then why would this blow up now, right? So I think that's a fair assessment. But on Tether, I think the, this, the whoever, the, the regulator, and the entire industry, there's something that we can do about it. And I think that's the last big question mark. And I, I still think that if the uh, Bitcoin ETF or the Ethereum ETF gets rejected in the next two months or one month, six weeks, I still believe the number one reason would be the SEC's fear around Tether. And I mean, whether that fear is justified or not, everyone has to answer for themselves. But I don't think you're so far apart from the conspiracy theory here. I, I really, I think that's very legitimate. Um, again, for me, and I mentioned this several times, as long as Binance doesn't just disappear overnight, as long as this is a gradual decrease of importance and other exchanges and other platforms hopefully also us as Bake, step in there and take part of that importance, that is going to be, I think, a net positive for the industry. And and I do believe that, for example, if that um, if the legitimate use cases right were strong enough, then they will find their ways and they will keep being used. And I think that's going to be a, a key kind of factor in, in all of that. So I, I mean... As long as Binance had stayed around and had focused on doing more legitimate stuff, I think that would have also been a net positive. 
I'm not so sold on that TreadFi once like feels better now about crypto just because Binance is out. I'm not 100% sure about that. But I, I, I do think, I mean, from the players that were left or are left, it's Tether now. And that's it. And I mean, it was very interesting. This morning, I think it was this morning, Tron had some like strong kind of uh, news articles on Reuters coming out about money laundering and so on on their chain. So I don't think you're so far off with the, with the Tether thing. So uh, Tron was uh, yeah kind of targeted this morning um, since a lot of Tether is on there. So uh, let's see how that kind of goes. Um, how much weight do you give the SEC kind of allegations against Kraken? How much weight do you give by uh, Bitrex closing shop? Okay, so I think I, I don't get why they are moving strong against Kraken because I think what Kraken, okay, maybe I have a bias there, but Kraken is by far my favorite exchange. No, I have no affiliation there or anything, but uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm using them for like seven years. Uh, and they, if there is a business that does legit business, uh, it, it's Kraken and Coinbase. Like both of them, I, I think you you told me that two years ago that Coinbase uh, has more than 50% of their whole staff is compliance. Um, yeah. at, at one point, it's it nuts. was like that. Maybe maybe it's even more or less now, but it was at, at a point in yeah. time, it was... Over 50%, 50% of Coinbase's uh, staff is lawyers, compliance people, and so on, yeah. And I know that Jesse Paul, he right about the time when FTX went down, he went on... Bloomberg or CNBC or some, some some TV station and he mentioned that the whole team that is working on FTX the whole tech team was I think 200 people or so and he mentioned he doesn't know how they do it because only their security team is more than 200 people at Kraken mm -hmm. and they don't do the same kind of customers and volumes that FT, FTX did and look if they are serious about uh, thing they are serious about two things Jesse is a great CEO, in my opinion, that it's a great service. They focus on, on uh, security and they focus on, on regulation as well. I don't think they have as many compliance people as Coinbase does. But uh, Jesse Paul also came out and said they are going to fight to the death against the SEC. And I fully support that. So they basically in January, they bent over, you know, like a like a, um, a straw in the wind, like a, a piece of grass in the wind. The SEC came, they made allegation about, I don't know, I think it was Ethereum and staking and some security, and they instantly settled. I think 30 million or so, they, they just said, okay, we're going to settle, we're not going to fight this. <coughs> and now they are going to fight, and I think uh, rightly so, um, because uh, the SEC has a history uh, in this industry to lose. <laughs> um, you could say that by now. And I think, look, uh, Kraken has money, they have resources, they know their, their, their business, they know their shit. Uh, and I think they have a fair chance of winning against the SEC. And if they don't win, uh, they at least can kind of put this out and they are not an easy target. Maybe the SEC thought, okay, they bent over once. Maybe they're just going to bend over once more and we can get, a, get an easy win. I don't know what's, why they're going against Kraken because there's so many other players that um, you know would be a lot more obvious. And on the Bittrex thing... Uh, it's a little bit of a, a sad uh, uh, story for me and I guess for many others uh, here in Europe because um, I was a big fan of theirs. Uh, I also signed up very early, I think in 2017. And um, I, I, I always found the exchange to be a great exchange. 
Um, I know why they closed shop in the US. Of course, you know, you get in the crosshairs of the SEC. It was a young team. Uh, they were early and they were like, okay, we're just going to focus on the global thing. And mm. I don't really understand why they would close shop on a global thing. I agree. Um, so, yeah, and I'm, I'm very sad. The that only just... reason I could just see is that outside of the US, it wasn't profitable for them. That's the only thing. And people still underestimate how profitable the U.S. is. And I mean, there are, I mean, Coffee Silla or someone said that, that I think the U.S. business for crop, uh, for Binance was about 20 or 25% of the entire revenue, even though it kind of like, it was like completely small, limited, excluded, and it was such a large chunk. So it could easily be that for someone like Bitrex, losing the U.S. part didn't make it meaningful to continue the business. And I think maybe they just, that, that's the only explanation I can have. And I don't know, it's kind of crazy that we, we see these big, big players go. Like, I, I can see there's so many smaller exchanges that not a lot of pe people talk about. But I would, yeah, outside maybe the US and Europe, you definitely, like, the big two are probably KuCoin and and uh, uh, and Binance, of course, yeah. Okay, X, Gate, IO. Okay, X, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's happening there, uh, regulation-wise. The U.S. is definitely uh, the the pulling horse uh, when it comes to to all all kinds of legal actions right now. Um, and I don't think they are going to slow down um, just by 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 the looks of it. Um, yeah, and there are some. Sometimes it gives me a little bit of worry. Also, what you just said. Um, so I always was expecting. I think even in May or during the summer when we still when we were actively doing the twitter spaces we both of us then said we probably look at a january timeline for an etf i still think january timeline i don't i cannot foresee this happening this year maybe i'm completely wrong on that but now the longer we go the more worried i get um because um of course binance is now out of the way uh, which they specifically set in the denial reasons uh, but if they would state another reason, a new reason that they haven't stated yet, uh, it would be obviously it would be Tether. And that would put an ETF approval off the table for probably a long time because that's not a, re a thing we can target or fix. It's that the whole industry or all volumes on so many exchanges depend on Tether. Uh, but if this is going to, like, if this is going to come true, I'm expecting a lot of lawsuits, maybe even one against Coinbase to delist Tether. If we're going to see this over the course of the next four or five weeks, I think an ETF approval in January is no longer possible. That would probably be the conclusion that I would make. I mean, interesting point. Didn't consider that. Uh, but you're right. I mean, now that you mentioned this, um, yeah, I mean, could be that, uh, I mean, yeah, Gary Gensler also just wants to make a political statement here and just says, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Let's just reject it. I know I'm wrong and I'm going to get sued left and right or the SEC is going to get sued left and right. But let's just be funny, you know, like, oh, do you think the crypto bros are winning? Oh, let me show you how you're winning. Um, let me dump this thing you, by 30, 40%. Have you heard what uh, Katie Ark thinks, what his reason is why he is not approving uh, the Bitcoin ETF? No, tell me. I think... I think it's the most interesting theory I've ever heard. So she says, um, Gary understands Bitcoin and everybody who thinks he doesn't understand it 
uh, doesn't know Gary's history and how he thinks in his statements that he made pre-2018. So he was a professor at MIT and he gave courses on it. He, he understands it better than most of us. Um, and he's pro-Bitcoin, but he's eyeing for a career upgrade. He's eyeing to become, um, how do you call it, uh, a secretary, minister of finance. Uh, he wants to uh, jump ship, leave the SEC and become treasury finance minister. I, I, what is the correct term mm -hmm. of that job? Treasury don't finance know. minister? Ministry of I finance. don't know how, what it's called. Yeah, I, I don't think they have ministers in the US. Um, they don't have this concept of ministers. So they function a bit different. There's like uh, these, yeah, I don't know what. Secretary. Yeah, with that, something like this. What's yeah, secretary the finance, of finance minister no. in the US? Uh, Secretary of the Treasury. Yeah, so Secretary, Secretary of the, of the Treasury. Treasury. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he's eyeing to become Secretary of the Treasury. And what is the most important job if you are Secretary of the Treasury? To protect the US dollar. He understands Bitcoin. So, um, yeah. And look, we, we have many politicians and many government people. They... They don't make decisions for the public. They don't make decisions for their country. They make decisions for their own career. And that's Katie, uh, Katie Woods uh, of ARK Invest's theory of why he's not approving it. I, think and I mean, I think that could be... I mean, I, I do understand that. I, I, I think... I mean, look, I think if he approves DTF, I think that's the expectation. I think 90% of the people or percent kind of, uh, yeah, expect that. But I mean, if he disapproves it, if he rejects it, I mean, we all know where this is leading and where this is coming from, right? So, I mean, interesting one. Hmm. I don't think it's likely, but could be totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, how do you remember November? Um, Market-wise. Bullish. Um, we... So the weird thing is, like, price-wise, it wasn't that bullish, huh? Let me just check. I think price-wise, it was not that like insane. No, we. It, it was not that we pumped, but no. We, um, so okay, we're up ten percent. Okay, actually, I need to correct myself. Um, where do you think at the beginning of November the, the Bitcoin price was? So at the moment we are just at thirty-seven. Um, where do you think we were on November first? Thirty-five. Man, I would have had that wrong. Thirty-four. Um, yeah. Yeah, so about 10% up. Wow. Okay, that really surprises me because I have had a feeling more we were more sideways. So we are a little up. Um, okay. we, we are in this weird range that uh, I, I kind of painted it. If you're tuning in on YouTube, you can see my screen behind me. And there is like this upward sloping channel um, that uh, the volume is... Uh, it's not a lot of volume, but you can really see people coming in and scooping up and consistently pressing uh, the price higher, which is very unusual for Bitcoin, especially after uh, you know a strong price move that we've seen uh, mm -hmm. earlier. Um, normally, you get these 20 to 30% corrections, and we haven't seen one of these in a very long time. We're consistently just going higher and higher, which also you know is like a pressure cooker because a lot of people get sidelined. Um, and uh, they wait for a 30% correction and it's just not coming, which of course is, is, a, is terrible if you're sidelined right now, if you thought we we're going to see 15K and you're just looking the price going up and up and up and now it's almost at 40. Um, yeah, ter terrible. But uh, for me, it, November besides Binance was pretty boring. Uh, there, was, there were not really major events or, or anything and 
um, uh, also not not a lot of price action. Um, what about you? Do you have a specific uh, feel or um, No, taste? I mean, no, I don't know. I, I think obviously at the moment it all is coming down to the hopium and FUD around the ETF. And I think that's the, honestly, that's the key thing. So that's really what matters. And that's the entire focus. I don't, I, I, again, I think the entire chart stuff, sure, it works as long as there's like so much uncertainty around it. But at the end, let's be honest, right? No chart is going to tell you that the price is going to go down other than let's say the ETF gets rejected. I don't care what the chart says. Like the chart can tell me whatever can be the most bullish setup of my lifetime If Gary Gensler comes out and says ETF rejected, I tell you, I don't care what the chart says, the price is going to go down, right? And the same the other way around. The chart could look so bearish if Gary Gensler comes out and says, oh, approved, I think the price is just going to go up. So that's at the moment. Everything in the, in the middle right now, I get it. Like if you're a trader and you love working with charts, maybe right now there's some kind of alpha that you can generate out of this, could be. My play right now is simply to dollar cost average. I just don't want to deal with all this crap. Again, I dollar cost average on Bake. I do my Bitcoin, Ethereum, DFI. I play the long game here. I'm totally fine with this. I don't know. I see this very relaxed at the moment. I know this. I know this is tough. Like the waiting. I know the waiting is sucks. I hate waiting myself. I wish all this would be passed already, but that's just part of the game. So yeah, that's, I don't know. How, December, what do you think? What do, you, what do you think December is going to be like? It, so for me, this situation is a bit different than in all other uh, uh, cycles that, that I've been in before or all other times because uh, I have a personal bias because I'm, uh, I am slightly under-allocated. I would wish that I, uh, I, I'm 80%, I have 80% of the allocation that I want to have. And I never had this much Bitcoin... Um, That's actually not true. Um, I, I'm almost at my all-time high when it uh, valued in Bitcoin. Uh, but um, I kind of guessed or hoped that I would have more time to accumulate between, let's say, 20 and 25. And that kind of didn't happen. So I, I have this one side inside of me that kind of hopes that we are going sub 30k <laughs> again. Uh, yeah. So I have a little bit of time to accumulate that cheap prices. And I know for a fact that many, many others out there have the same situation because a lot of people thought, hey, we're going to see lower prices. You had this very famous people on Twitter, a lot of bears like Gareth Soloway, like Crypto Capo, uh, like, um, I don't know, um, even Peter Sihan or Doomberg or, or uh, like people that are not in the industry that were calling for 10,000, 12,000. Bitcoin, uh, which of course never happened. And a lot of people got sidelined and are still waiting for it. And uh, there is this one side of me that kind of thinks this has some validity that we kind of, so, so for example, if Gary Gensler comes out and says, denial, um, everything's denied, nothing is going to get approved, uh, I think the market is going to respond heavily. And then also you have uh, the, the macro side, and we can go into that a little bit later before I heard your opinion on it, because I, I have some, uh, some interesting element that kind of um, uh, forms uh, the whole equation when it comes to macro. But um, so historically, of course, December is super bullish. Um, uh, that's, that's from a seasonality aspect. And now you just had uh, Thanksgiving, 
and we had a strong price run. So guess what? What do families at the Thanksgiving people talk about? Hey, have you seen Bitcoin is already up uh, from uh, it's already almost at, at 40,000. So it's definitely going to have some social component to it, uh, which also is kind of interesting to see what, what's going to happen um, in December. And then, of course, many other things are going to follow. So in Europe, we have and in, in, in the West, we have Christmas. And in uh, China, we have Chinese New, New Year coming up very, very soon, which both of them are kind of bullish. January, from a seasonality perspective, is not. But from, yeah, so I'm torn in between. Uh, I think it's probably going to be an event less January, uh, an event less December, maybe a little bit up, maybe a little bit down, whatever, yep. you know, 38K, 40K. And then I'm expecting a bloody January. The only thing that can save us in January is an ETF approval. <laughs> I man, I hate to say it, but I'm aligned. I I'm really aligned. Uh, yeah, I I'm. Uh, I actually read a thing. Okay, let me flip it a bit. I actually think we're gonna see a red December. Um, and and I'm not saying a deep red. I'm just thinking a bit more bearish because I think that people are really kind of waiting for all this. There is enough people who are waiting for a, a Bitcoin ETF prior to Christmas. I really think there are people. And so I think if that doesn't happen, and I'm part of that group who thinks it's not going to happen, I think people will get a bit panicky. I'm not saying we're going to see like sub 30. I'm just saying maybe we're going to go from 37 right now, maybe to 36 or 35 or something. It's just like maybe 10%, right? So just a little bit of some, some kind of fear. And then like January, obviously the closer we get to that date or whatever, I think the emotions are really going to go up. And and I agree, if we don't see an approval in January, I mean, it's just going to go haywire. But again, I think we're going to see an approval and I think we're going to see probably, I'm not sure if I, if we're going to see above 50,000, but I, I, I am quite confident we can see above 40,000 in January if the ETF gets approved. So I think maybe like a, yeah, like a 20, 30% kind of pump from here. I think that's realistic. Um, I'm not sure we can get more than 50% pump which would be needed to really get it over the the the, the fifty thousand or something. So I think twenty percent or something from here. Yeah, that's at least my kind of personal expectation. Again, not financial advice. I may be completely wrong. It's impossible to predict the future. I don't know how you see this. Yeah. So the bit the big twist, and maybe that's the bridge to go into macro uh, or into inflation yeah. and, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. Let's so, do that. I think that's a good so good bridge to make the to make the bridge is. Everything Bitcoin, everything crypto, I'm super bullish because um, I don't know. Like, like for example, we we we've got a libertarian president in Argentina that's open. And look, El, Sal El Salvador is place 150 on the list of countries out of 200. Mm -hmm. And but Argentina is like in the top third, in the top. I don't know. Don't I, I don't want to say something wrong, but I think top 30. Um, it's, it's a major economy. Of course, they struggle with inflation and, and, and corruption and so on. But this is a major economy and you have a libertarian president that's openly talking about uh, Bitcoinizing the, the, the country. Of course, he's moving into the dollar first for obvious reasons, because there is already uh, 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 um, uh, an economy that runs on dollar. And that's what people know. Um, and um, the, the, a movement uh, never gets defined by the first adopter. It gets uh, defined by the one that follows. That's at least you know the, the, what, what they say. And if Argentina is the follower, it's, I think it, it's a great follower if they are moving through with it, if it's not just all talks. And then secondly, he also needs to be able to deliver. He has a whole government apparatus that he needs to fight. And 
Um, many politicians have great ideas when they get elected, and then it comes to the point of uh, executing on them, which is a whole other story. But it's definitely a one hell of an interesting guy uh, with uh, even more interesting hair. Um, so, and maybe to make a bridge into the macro uh, uh, part of it. So I, I followed a, a super interesting podcast that, um, because I wanted to do some research on inflation, on what, what what's going on with inflation, is it going to pick up? Does the Fed have it under control? And then this guy, um, it was on the Blockworks podcast. I don't remember the guy's name, but what he basically said is, so for the last 30 years, so between 90, uh, 1990 and 2020, the name of the game in a corporate uh, sector was efficiency and productivity. You want to raise productivity. And you, it, kind of, it was kind of a no-go to raise prices. And this era has ended. Now corporate earnings are defined by prices. They, they don't give a fuck about volume anymore. So, for example, they, they say um, Pepsi or uh, as, uh, consumer staples, people that produce products, they just say, okay, volumes doesn't matter. We just increase prices and then we're going to get corporate earnings up. Even if we sell less, we're just going to increase prices. And it's the name of the game now. Everybody just increases their prices, which of course is going to translate one-to-one into inflation, especially if it's yeah. happening in consumer prices and services industry. Like the, the, the things that Powell loves the most are his baskets and his his uh, service? Uh, I don't know uh, what, what his indicator uh, is called. The services minus uh, energy and uh, uh, rent uh, is is like the thing that he always brings up. And if this is going to pick up, if you have oil prices picking up, if you have um, uh, corporate corporate companies pushing prices higher just because they want to please shareholders and and keep paying dividends. Uh, we're going to have inflation is going to come back. And that would be very problematic um, and also would put the Fed uh, really to the test. That's uh, that's a bit of maybe how I my, my first shot. Uh, any thoughts on that or any, any anything to add from, from, from your side to this? No, um, I don't know if you've seen the messages that Walmart put out. I mean, sure, they're a bit self-serving. They're really kind of pushing for, hey, we may see deflation. And I mean, they're really, really pushing for deflation right now. I mean, obviously, it could be very self-serving uh, because maybe they really want money printing. They want easy money and so on because obviously then more people go and go shopping. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. It reminds me a bit of a year ago. Maybe I'm so a bit skeptical of, of our discussions in this sense because we had the same discussion a year ago and, and I was on the deflationary path a year ago. And um, obviously, I was definitely wrong. I mean, we've seen uh, decreasing inflation, but we have not seen deflation. Um, yeah. So, how, how do you how how do you think this is going to play out for the for the for investors? So, for a, from a Fed perspective, they are somewhat in a Goldilocks zone. So, if you if you are a chair of the Fed, you kind of want to have the wiggle room to to slightly lower the the rates. You want to have real rates, so inflation lower than the rates, and you want to have unemployment low. Check, check, check. Um, and so they are currently in this Goldilocks zone, uh, but now they are they have the this one big decision that they cannot make they cannot make an immature decision because if they pivot once that's their their one shot their one opportunity to kind of signal where everything is going so if they pivot too early and inflation picks up oh my god if they pivot too late and break the economy that that's basically a, a little bit of the, the 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 thing that they are in 
And um, now we, we just now see unemployment slightly picking up, inflation also slightly picking up. So both uh, one, one good for the Fed, one not so good for the Fed. How, what, what do I think is I hope they will get somewhat of their way because right now it's just um, the economy needs to have a correction. We, we need to have... We need to have somewhat of a recession, um, and I hope that this is the case. Uh, I hope we are going to see a recession, um, and I hope we like. I don't know. Maybe the the the, the best thing uh, or a, a good thing could be that everything gets a, a bit more delayed. That we don't have a January ETF, and but that we have an early next year recession, a Q1 recession. The ETF gets gets delayed. And during I don't know summertime or into the into the autumn, they are gonna ease, and we see the we see the halfing taking effect, and we, we see the ETF that would be even better than an early ETF. I, I kind of really hope we not see an ETF soon. I really hope it takes a little bit more time because uh, of all that macro related madness that I cannot really make sense of. Um, maybe a question to you here. Can you see a realistic, a probable scenario that with rates this high, with the, 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 the situation, with the election year next year, can you see the NASDAQ and the S&P just not caring and just chugging along, making new highs and going into Dude, a Dude, we are at almost, we're almost at an all-time high right now. I think that's the bonkers part. But couldn't this just be an inflation-adjusted second top? Uh, sure, and, sure. Uh, I, I mean, I'm. I mean, like I am very good. cautious right now on the on the stock prices, right? So I actually think we're going to see lower prices uh, going uh, like in the next couple of months. But I'm, I, I don't see this. I mean, and I, I'm part of that camp. I don't think we're going to see a soft landing in summer. I mean, we discussed this last time. I'm in that camp that thinks we're going to see a maybe not like a a crash, but I think we're going to see a harder landing than most people want, and I think that's still going to scare a lot of people. So I'm part of that camp. Yeah. So, no, I'm aligned there. Um, uh, before we, we close, Fabio, uh, two things. Give us a bit of an overview on what's happening in the DeFi chain, meta chain kind of land. I made a super short video on this uh, yesterday, but uh, you definitely have a, the better insight. What are the highlights there? What's going on? Um, yeah, so walk us a bit through there. We talked about all the other coins. Let's talk about DeFi chain. Yeah. Okay, so maybe for everybody that doesn't understand the scope of this, um, so um, DeFi chain, which was initially a fork of Bitcoin, a non-Turing complete chain, launched its EVM layer, the meta chain layer, which is EVM compatible. So EVM is uh, Ethereum virtual machine. And that means it opens up a whole universe uh, of people coming and developing because everybody that knows how to develop on any EVM chain, which is the majority, I would say 80% of the chains out there uh, are EVM compatible or built on Solidity or, 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 or something similar. Solidity is the programming language that's used on Ethereum. So basically, the gist of it is it opens up a whole new universe and makes it open to, uh, like previous, we had a very, very niche developer community, very, very niche um, place. And now we are open to 80% of the devs and 80% of the chain. It makes it interoperable. It makes it, uh, it's a great thing, basically. And um, we saw already, I would say, 10 legit projects are live. Another 30 are currently testing or being at the point of, of being live. 
And then the, the interesting thing is last weekend, there was a hackathon in Bangalore, India, which a sub uh, team of the, uh, of uh, like the DeFi chain labs team, um, they, they organized it and attended the hackathon and the hackathon is not finished. So this was so, sort of the intro section of that hackathon. And then you have a 10 day period where teams are competing in several different disciplines like security, smart contracts, other things where, you, where they can win prizes. And they're building currently and coding their own projects, testing things and, and so on. And uh, next week, there is going to be a, a judging phase or a finishing phase, a price phase. Uh, and after that, I really expect somewhat of an explosion when it comes to uh, projects, listing and things happening on chain. There are some developmental works that the core team is still finishing. And I think both of them will kind of align towards next week. Um, so there is a lot of interesting stuff going on. And uh, one thing is that I would like to add personally, which, which is a bit ironic. So I'm not the biggest fan of uh, meme tokens and, and, and things like that. But we've seen a sharp increase of all kinds of meme-related things on, on, on DMC, on the, on the metal layer of DeFi chain. And one of the interesting things and that I kind of... So there was this period where uh, DeFi chain tried to... Uh, we have Ethereum has Ethereum improvement proposals. DeFi chain has DeFi chain improvement proposals. And there were many improvement proposals that tried certain things to burn or to fix or to adjust or whatever. Uh, and uh, the funny thing is, or what could be a bit ironic, is that this meme craze and that this project craze that we are seeing right now has, in my opinion, a better chance of fixing uh, underlying issues and really taking the chain to the next level and making it pump or great again um, than, than, than these DFIPs, which is kind of funny. But, but, you know, here as well, one is central planning, DFIPs are central planning, and projects are free markets, and free markets yep. are very efficient uh, in, in mysterious ways of solving uh, uh, all kinds of issues and bringing uh, uh, stuff to the next level. And I really see this, what happening, what is happening right now, I really see this as the free market kind of... Uh, Kickstarting um, and super interesting. What's happening? Uh, a lot of development, a lot of uh, projects. Uh, it's still early, um, but um, uh, yeah, uh, if if you have time, you should definitely scroll through Twitter. Maybe hashtag MetaChain, hashtag TMC, and and scroll through the lists or go to DC's Daniel T Circles Twitter account. Uh, he uh, posts great summaries of what's going on. Um, super interesting, and I think yeah, we just saw the beginning. Sorry. There you go. And one last point. The, we just saw the beginning of this. And look, I already said this in May or in March this year. People, What people will get wrong is they will come in the first week of the launch and they will say, why is the price not moving? Why is it not pumping? And um, I, I, I knew that six months ago. I knew that eight months ago. And now we are exactly seeing that. And I, I will say the same thing today, as I said, six or or, or seven months ago, give this three months to six months and check then, um, because this will take time. Um, and I, w I knew this and many other people knew this uh, six months ago and it's still true today. This is going to take some time because the major projects haven't even started. You know, uh, the, 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 the guys that really tested, uh, some of them are not even live yet. And even if they are live, they, they will need some time to launch certain, certain things and uh, to really uh, uh, fine-tune uh, the aspects of it.
uh, yeah, that's that's a bit of the uh, my thoughts on, on on the topic. I mean, fully aligned. I also spoke with uh, Liam, who's leading uh, a lot of the DevaChain uh, activity together with you, Fabio. Um, kind of really pushing him to organize a Twitter space also on the DeFi chain side to really kind of talk about all these things that are live right now. I think this would be really powerful for the community. Um, super helpful. I would love to join it as well. And yeah, so that's going to be quite cool. Um, yeah, amazing. Uh, last but not least, if you are one of our bake elites, I think we have something cool launching for you this week, if everything goes well, but I'm fairly confident. And it's just going to give you a bit of a glimpse on what we have in stock at Bake, something that we have been building for the past couple of months. And yeah, it's really going to go a bit into the into a really nice direction. A lot of excitement. There's going to be a lot of possibilities there. I think if everything goes well, tomorrow we're going to do a webinar for our elites. So let's see. I hope everything uh, kind of turns out well on this. And yeah, so just stay tuned. If you're not an elite, then time to become one. Um, let's see if we're going to do a, another Twitter space next week. Let's see. Depends a bit on the content. Otherwise, definitely in two weeks again. And then we're definitely going to talk about that. I don't want to take too much away here because uh, that's really not, um, yeah, that, that, that's not the, 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 the right point in this. So, yeah, but uh, I'm very excited. Hopefully, I see you tomorrow in that webinar if you're an elite. Uh, Fabio, any famous last words here for the day? Um. Make sure to tune in next week. Uh, I'm you not sure. It we, somehow. We... Uh, you muted Fabio, just so you know. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, maybe just an alignment question. So um, I think we have maybe one or two more weeks that we are going to do this and probably are going to pause at the later two weeks or so of, yep, of, of December uh, and maybe even the first week of January. I don't know. But uh, so what I want to mention is I will have some personal to share something personal that is um, super exciting that we are planning in January uh, that I want to maybe bring up next week or the week after. Um, that uh, especially if you're a European, that could be extremely interesting for you. Um, it, it, it's an, a big event that we are planning uh, to host in Europe. Um, and of course, uh, the, the usual stuff. Um, if you missed uh, parts of that, uh, we especially we talked about. Uh, Binance, we talked about inflation, macro, the ETF, and so on. Make sure to um, go on to Bake's Twitter. First, follow them. Then second, you can uh, have a recording of that Twitter space on Twitter, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Um, on YouTube, it's also with video. Um, so you might want to check that out as well. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's it uh, from my side. I love it. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter. Uh, obviously, subscribe to YouTube. Give us a like. Share the stuff. And then we see you next time. Thank you so much, everyone. Yours truly, Fabio and Julian. Bye-bye, everyone.